Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. One of the first days of October, we don't know the exact date, there's some controversy about that, but one of the first days of October in 1536, a man who was a man of peace, a man whose life was blameless, he was a charitable gracious man, and an esteemed scholar, brilliant linguist who knew many, many languages, including Hebrew and Greek, was tied to a post and then strangled to death, and then his body burned. The reason was that he had been found guilty of heresy, preaching and teaching things that were not true. That's what they said anyway, because he had dared to do what was illegal, and that is to translate the scriptures from the original languages into the language of his people, the English. And because he translated the Bible into the language of the people, those who did not want the people to know what the Bible said accused him of heresy. Perhaps the most significant, offensive change that he made in his translation that really upset them was that he referred to the word ecclesia as the congregation, the gathering, which of course is what the word literally means. But that word was understood as church the Roman Catholic Church. And if it refers simply to a gathering of believers, that would undermine their monopoly and their claim that they are the church. The word Catholic meaning universal. And they claim to be the universal church. Anybody who's not submitted to the Bishop of Rome, or as they call him, the Pope, That person is outside the church, whether it's the Coptic Christians or the Eastern Orthodox Christians or the Protestant Christians, they're outside. Now, since Vatican II, they've become a little more charitable in their language. They refer to us as 
estranged brethren. In other words, we'll still count you as brothers. You're just not behaving like you should. You're not, you're not coming in line like you should. But we're not saying anymore that you're all going to hell for that. Though there is still a position officially held by the Catholic Church that if you claim to be sure that you have eternal life, then you're damned. Okay? This is despite what the scripture says in 1 John, that these things have been written so that you may know that you have eternal life. The man was William Tyndale. Tyndale, as I said, was a great scholar, a great linguist, and a man who loved God and was willing to pay for his love of God and the truth with his life. He was betrayed by a man named Henry Phillips who pretended to be an ally wanting to help him, but who had in fact been hired by a church official to find him, find where he was, and help them arrest him. Why would a person make such a big deal out of this? I mean, if they don't want me to do it and they're threatening to kill me, I think the best thing to do is just kind of go along. Doesn't that make sense? Not if it's a matter of life and death. How important is it that people be able to read and understand the Bible? We've said before that we would not have a Bible that we can read and understand if it weren't for the fact that people were willing to risk their lives and even give their lives in order to secure that right for us. His final words, spoken at the stake with fervent zeal and in a loud voice, were reported as, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Open his eyes. Because that's what it takes. <clears throat> God has to take the blinders off our eyes in order for us to really see and embrace the truth. You hear me pray time and again before I stand to speak. Lord, give us ears to hear your voice and eyes to see the truth. Apart from God's grace, we will not know the truth. We don't come to a knowledge of the truth because those people are dumb, we're smart. No. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. Found. He found us. Was blind. But now I see. He's the one who gives sight to the blind. He's the one who opens our eyes. He's the one who takes away the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood is listener-supported. You can make a difference in the lives of those who hear this message and the lives of children at Wears Valley Ranch. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. Please visit us online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. Or send in a donation to Wears Valley Ranch at 101 Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. 
That's Wurz Valley Ranch at 101 Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is If we look at the life of Tyndale, we look at his accomplishments, despite the fact that the church of Rome worked diligently to destroy his legacy, uh, it didn't work because God was the one at work. Tyndale's translation, I'm reading here from Wikipedia because it's more concise than some of the other sources, and this part they got right. Tyndall's translation was the first English Bible to draw directly from Hebrew and Greek texts. Wycliffe, remember, had drawn from the Latin Vulgate. Tyndall went back to the originals from which the Vulgate had been translated. It was the first English translation to take advantage of the printing press. It was the first of the new English Bibles of the Reformation and It was taken as a direct challenge to the monopoly, that's my word, of both the Catholic Church and the laws of England maintaining the church's position. In other words, he threatened the power structure simply by correctly translating the scripture. He referred to the church as called out ones and congregation rather than church. And that made it possible for people to realize, hey, it's not about belonging to this. It is about belonging to God and being one of his people. It is his work that undergirds later English translations, including the King James, but also the more modern translations. Moynihan writes, a complete analysis of the authorized version known down the generations as the King James was made in 1998 and it shows that Tyndale's words account for 84% of the New Testament and 75.8% of the Old Testament books that he translated. In other words, your English Bible is heavily reliant on the groundbreaking work that Tyndale did. We owe him a lot, and it matters. Look, if you would, in your Bible at 2 Timothy chapter 3. We've read this before during this series, but we need to see it again. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with them. 
They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Jans and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth, men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. They will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's Word is what we have in the Bible. It is God-breathed. It is alive. It is sharper than a two-edged sword and very, very powerful. God's Word changes lives. It brings life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. And if you and I really want to know God and know His will for our lives, we need to be feeding on the Word of God. We need to be hearing it and reading it and studying it and memorizing it and meditating on it and obeying it. This is God's Word. Years ago, My wife and I had moved into an apartment in Marlboro, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. And we began to pray that God would give us some people who we could share the gospel with, who would respond. And so I saw a guy out in front of the apartment complex in the parking area working on his car and felt like the Holy Spirit said, that's who you're supposed to talk to. Okay? I'll start praying for him and looking for an opportunity. Well, I don't remember if it was that same day or shortly thereafter, my wife said, "Um, I think I've met the person I'm supposed to share with. It turned out that they were husband and wife. Well, we were looking for a way of connecting, building a relationship in hopes of being able to share the gospel with them. I could tell by looking at his physique, and for that matter, at his wife's level of fitness, that he was really into exercise. And so I said something else that for me was sacrifice. Uh, 
you work out a lot, don't you? He said, yes. I said, would you be willing to show me how to use the equipment at the clubhouse? Except if you knew me, you'd know that the last thing I want to do is go over and work out. That's just not my cup of tea. But I said, would you show me how to do that? He said, oh, I'd love to. So now we'd found a plan. When we went over there to work out for the first time, he called me ahead of time. He said, have you got a jump rope? I said, no, I don't. He said, well, you need to buy one because that's the first thing we'll do when we're working out just to warm up. I went to Kmart, a store that used to be big in America, and I bought a jump rope. It was not a very good jump rope. He didn't laugh at me, but in the midst of our warm-up, he asked me a question. So, Jim, what's the difference between a Baptist, which he knew I worked at the Baptist church, he said, what's the difference between a Baptist and a Christian? And I said, I'm sorry, what? And he said, well, you know, between a Catholic and a Baptist. You see, to him and to the Catholic church, if you're a Catholic, you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're a Catholic. If you're not a Catholic, you're not a Christian. So I said, well, you know, that's, that's a great question. Um, actually, it is possible to be a Baptist and still be a Christian. And he stops jumping rope. And I said, of course, there are lots of Baptists who aren't Christian. And I stopped jumping rope. And I said, and of course, it's also possible to be a Catholic and be a Christian or to be a Catholic and not be a Christian. He said, I don't understand. Well, praise God. He brought up the subject, and now I get to share the gospel. So I shared the gospel with him, and he was interested, though he still was processing. As we're walking back to his apartment after our aborted workout, he turned back and he said, is it possible to be a priest and not be a Christian? And I said, definitely. And he said, well, that explains a lot. Well, after almost a year, one evening as I was praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, tonight's the night you need to go over and share with John. He's ready. And so I called John on the phone. I said, hey, man, would it be okay if I come over to talk with you for a little while? He said, sure, come on. I went over, his wife Linda was uh, at the clubhouse working out, and uh, he and I sat in his apartment, his little baby was asleep, and uh, kind of went over the gospel again. And I said, John, you know that you've sinned, we all have, and you know that the penalty that we all deserve is death, to be cut off from God forever. But God loves you so much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross and take the punishment that we deserve so that you could be completely forgiven and reconciled to Him. And Jesus rose from the dead and is alive right now and He's calling you to give your life to Him. Eternal life is not something that you and I can earn or deserve. It's God's gift. You understand that? 
He said, yes, I do. I said, you believe the good news? He said, yes. And I said, well, let's pray then. And you can ask the Lord to save you right here, right now. Just then the door opened and it was his wife. We were just about to pray. And here came Linda. So I said, Linda, John and I were just about to pray. He wants to receive eternal life by yielding his life to the Lord. And she said, oh. And I said, Linda, you know that you're a sinner. And I walked her through the same brief gospel presentation again. And this was not out of the blue. As I said, this was after months of studying the book of Romans together. And I said, Linda, you understand that eternal life is not something that we can earn or deserve. It's the gift of God. And she said, I always thought you had to earn it. Now, do you know why she thought that? Because she grew up in the Roman Catholic Church and going to Roman Catholic schools, and that's what she was taught and taught and taught and taught and taught and taught from childhood. So she came by that view honestly. It's something you have to earn. So I said, well, Linda, I want you to get your Bible. Now, the reason I wanted her to get her Bible is because there are a lot of Roman Catholics who have been told that our Bible, the Protestant Bibles, are not accurate. You have to study their Bible. And so I wanted her not to read from my Bible and then wonder, yeah, but is that really right? Is that really true? I said, get me your Bible. And I want you to read me Ephesians chapter 2. Start right there at Ephesians 2.1 and read me what it says. And you know what it says? It says, for by grace we're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Wow. You know what it says in the Catholic Bible? Pretty much the same thing. Well, when Linda read that, she said, but I was always taught that you have to earn it. And I said, well, Linda, what does this say? She said, it says it's a gift. And she said, but I just don't know. I said, well, Linda, did they tell you that the Bible is true? And she said, yes, they did. And I said, and what does the Bible say? It's a gift. And at this point, John spoke up and he said, and I want to receive that gift right now. And I said, great, Linda, what about you? And she said, yes, I do too. And so I had the joy of leading both of them and surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you something. God was the one who had prepared their hearts. We got to do some plowing and some sowing of seed, but God was the one who gave the harvest. And John and Linda gave their lives to Christ. And their lives were transformed by His grace. They were good people before. Nice people. Honest people. Moral people. Lost people. 
God is so kind. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Folks, if you're lost, reach out. Say, God, save me, help me. I can't do this, I don't understand. You don't have to understand it all. You just need to trust Him. You don't have to be able to preach a sermon. You don't have to preach some lovely prayer. You just need to know, I'm lost. I need a Savior. Lord, save me. He will. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.